Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. It's very important. There's a lot of weight behind this. It's not just how much your Bible weighs. It's how much it could weigh on someone's heart. So I don't take it lightly. I, I approach it very seriously. But just the funniest thing, Sister McCune said, like, Colton must be teaching because he's the only one wearing a jacket in the house. Amen. Not just because it's not like a dress code I have for myself. This is more for your protection than mine. I want to make sure that, like, everything stays contained. Amen. So <laughs> no matter how excited I get, the jacket is a covering. Amen. Uh, we're going to find our, our portion of scripture today in uh, two places. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, very familiar portion, and also the book of Daniel, 1 and 8. Uh, but we'll start with Daniel 1 and 8. That's even better. That's part of the plan that I wrote down on the card. That's on me. Sorry, guys. But Daniel purposed, say purposed, purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. I told the you, well, I had maybe the worst game of of rock, paper, scissors in my life about 30 minutes ago. Cooper came up to me and he said, if I beat you at rock, paper, scissors, we're playing a game today. And I lost. So I didn't have a game plan, so I had to think about this on the spot. That's why the drumming was a little off. That's why I had to make the coat joke, because I'm still trying to think of a game. And I got it. It's a little personal game. You have to play with yourself, and you're playing against yourself. Anyone is involved, if they want to be involved, you're, you're invited to the game. And anytime I say purpose, I want you to rise up and say huzzah, or you don't have to rise up, just maybe a fist pump. So if I say purpose, hey, there we go, bonus points to Devin. So that's a game, you know, it's a, you know who who wins? Me. And uh, keeps you, because it keeps everyone engaged, hopefully. If if I say a purpose and no one's going huzzah, I know I need, I can say what, (laughs) look at that, I wasn't even engaged. Purpose. Ah, ah, we're in this together. Yes, yes, amen. Let's go to Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17. Verse 6 works pretty good too, but 16 specifically. I mean, the whole Bible is great. If, there, if we miss a verse, you better read that verse yourself later. It's going to change your life. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Say ashamed. Ashamed, there's not a good connotation behind ashamed typically. I've, have you ever seen a dog that's a little ashamed? Dogs can get ashamed my parents have two dogs, one which they love with all their heart, and then the other one's named Odette. And um, yeah, she's, she's my favorite dog. That's not true. I like the, other, the small ones very fun, too. I love them all equally. Both dogs, great. Uh, but when a dog gets in trouble, you can tell when a dog gets in trouble. The tail between the legs. They're not coming up to you the first thing when they get to the door. Or they're like, hey, <laughs> oh, you're home already. Oh, my goodness. Wow, I didn't expect that to ever happen. They're ashamed. But I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I don't have my tail between my legs. And this is not an easy thing to say sometimes, is it not? Like the world outside's crazy. They want you to be ashamed of the gospel. We're going to talk about that today. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Everyone's involved. Everyone's invited. If you believe, you have access to a power beyond anything you could ever imagine. Nothing compares to the power of God. So once we lock in, tap in, to the not being ashamed part. That's work. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. Don't worry. We'll get into it. We'll dive deep. 
There's the power to the Jew first and to also the Greek. Verse 17, please. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Right there, as soon as you tap into that power, as soon as you believe in God and you have that power and you're not ashamed, you get to tap into the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. I'm going to pray real quick. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time together, this opportunity, for safe travels, first of all, getting here. The roads are a little slick, but I'm so thankful that we're able to be here and learn about you and talk about you and learn more from you. God, let us not be ashamed of your gospel today. In Jesus' name, amen. Talking about purpose today. Yeah, okay, we're losing it. We're losing steam. Purposed. There it is. We're back. We're back. Someone's winning this game tonight. I have no reward. Oh, Cooper is? He took that personally. So, purpose. Purpose. Purpose is, okay, you don't have to say it every time. Because now, now it's too much, isn't it? It's, it's, now it's getting, it's getting distracting almost. You're, you're more focusing on the word, the P word, than you're focusing on the word of God. And uh, I don't want that to happen. But it's a very important word because if you don't have this word, so I can keep my train of thought. If you don't have this word, you're not going to go far. There's a problem nowadays with that word. I think the millennial generation, I'm not one of them, by the way. There's the different generations. I, I, follow, I find myself in Gen Z. I am the, those young kids. I like to say I'm a 90s kid. I was born in November 1999. I didn't see a minute of the 90s. I didn't grow up a single, well, I grew up like two months a month. I was born in, like, the end of November. I saw, I saw one month of the 90s. I'm not a 90s kid. But I like to, you know, still try to attach myself, cling myself. No, no, we're close. Get out of town, Colton. You're not one of them. So, but that kind of 90s, late 80s, mid-80s, 90s generation found so much. They, they, they've stru- they strove for a purpose. That's why you saw grassroots, good job. That's why you saw grassroots organizations. You saw Occupy Wall Street. You see even today marches on certain things because these, 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 uh, they have to find themselves in some thing. And that has been very much lost in this Generation Z. It's a, it's a very powerful tool if you're using it in the right way. When you find yourself striving for a cause, if it's the right cause, you're, you're going to do great things. There's power behind empowerments. Right? When you feel empowered to do something, you're going to want to do it. You're going to say, nothing's going to stop me from doing it. And Gen Z has been so watered down with TikTok, instant messaging, social media, all these things. You have access to everything in the palm of your hand. You don't need to go out and get anything because it's right there. You've been, we've been, I've been, personally, like I'm, I'm just as bad as everyone else. I've been so watered down in a lot of ways because... I can still, I kind of remember when my parents had dial-up. Anyone, the kids know what dial-up internet is? No, no, just some, just the adults probably in the room. The, the, the internet would go, do 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 It would, like, make noises. That doesn't happen. If the, your router starts doing that, you like, there's a fire or something. I can't, we got to get out of here. It's going to blow up. But, the, ex- yeah, you get a, a notification. You got mail. You get, like, all these things. That doesn't happen nowadays. I tur- everyone turns off their notifications because, like, man, I don't want to hear all that stuff going on. You want to be tuned out so you can tune into other stuff. But it's caused a, a lack, a kind of, you don't need, a watered down, if you will. 
But the power behind a young person, or any person in general, but I'm a youth leader, that's kind of my focus all the time, and you know, you're always looking for things like, can I throw that in a youth lesson, they'll actually remember it? I hope so, Brother Jeff. I'm sure you had to go through that a little bit too, like, I hope they remember it, because this is good stuff, so, not like this specifically, but like your lesson on a Sunday morning, like, I'm ready, and then like, they're talking about Fortnite the whole time, like, okay, well, we'll try next week, but the power behind a young person or any person who's just really dialed in and focused is unmatched by anything. For hundreds, thousands of years, the story, the real one scripture snippet that we just listened from, the king of Nebuchadnezzar understood the power of what it'd be if he took the young people if, and he indoctrinated them and just turned them to do whatever he said. And if you're feeding them the right stuff and if you're letting them drink the right drink, they're going to follow you forever. It's not a new thing that happened forever, but... One powerful story, an example that um, I learned in one of my history classes, 1966, Chairman Mao Zedong of China, the People's Republic, I don't even know how to pronounce it, uh, well, Chairman Mao of the Red Nation, he initiated his first stage of the Cultural Revolution with the institution of the Red Guards. Does anyone know who the Red Guard were? Red Guard, Brother McCune is probably the expert, not because he was a part of them, because he he is an expert at a lot of stuff. I respect his knowledge incredibly. He should be up here. Why am I here? Chairman Mao. So he, uh, Chairman Mao wanted to change his world around him. He was really good at that. He had a lot of people under his influence and under his power for you know, communistic regime and, and uh, a lot of stuff that's really not conducive to a good society, right? It's not, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure more of you can tell me about it than I can. This is just from my limited knowledge. But the Red Guard was a group of young people who were empowered to change their world. But their doctrine came from Mao. So uh, their manifesto almost, if you will, kind of reads like this. Chairman Mao has defined our future as an armed revolutionary youth organization, which quite frankly is what every youth leader wants. I want an armed youth revolution. I want them to sweep through the streets of, of Richland and all your tri-cities all around the world. But just with the right stuff. What were they armed with? So if Chairman Mao is our red commander-in-chief and we are his red guard, who can stop us? First, we will make China Maoist from inside out. Mao was a man who literally killed millions and millions, tens of millions, to just achieve his goal that he didn't even really fully achieve. He was willing to sacrifice life and life and life again just to have a country red. And really, it was red, stained with the blood of his civilians, the people under him. So if Chairman Mao is our red commander-in-chief, and we are his red guards, who can stop us? First, we'll make China Maoist from the inside out. Then we will help the working people of other countries make the world red, and then the whole universe. Really crazy stories erupted from this situation. Just one, uh, it was teenagers, young men and women in their schools. They had the power to overthrow their teachers if they sensed anything from the old world, the old world of non-communist idea, non-communist thinking. If someone was not in with the times, they had the right to abuse, to, to uh, ridicule, and to even kill them. That was their empowerment, all for a terrible idea, for a terrible nation. There is a power 
in getting young people to do exactly what you say because they have the energy, they have the time, and they have the will to do whatever they put their minds to. The world today wants to do that too, but there's also another side effect now. Now there's so much uh, social media, TikTok, Instagram, it's diluting that power, so now they don't want to do anything. Half the time, I don't want to do anything. I have to force myself to stop looking at YouTube video after YouTube video. There's kind of two poles going on here, but once someone is tapped into a purpose purpose, thank you, you can do anything. They believe this. They believe that they could take over the world. They could take over the universe, but they are misguided. They didn't have the right ideas behind them. It led to a lot of hurt and pain, but we have a power unlike anything that's ever existed. Nothing will ever come close to the power of the gospel because it is power in of itself. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And Jesus gave us the very same mandate just about, you will be my witnesses, uh, all Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the rest of the world. If we needed to go to Mars to do it, I'm sure we could do it too, but he didn't say, hey, you, you don't need to go that far. You don't need to go the whole universe because got everything right here on this planet. These Red Guard, they had a misdirected purpose, and the world knows the power of purpose, and to misuse and and disrupt young people to do whatever they want, they can really take over anything. And this is the dynamic that we really see in, ba in Daniel chapter 1. Uh, this comes right after God literally allowed a, a nation of people to, to fall to their knees, a whole city, because of, of you know, just unrighteousness, not following God's instructions. So Daniel is part of this leading away from everything he knew, from a whole world into a world around him of sin, a world around him of misused power, and a world around him of, of just uh, paganism and, and idolatry all around, worship of a king and of idols. And Daniel and a lot of Jewish children, they had to now live in this new reality, this, this, this new world order, if you will. And you see the resolve and the power of a young person through, because they knew what their purpose was. When they were led away, certain children of Israel were taken, selected, handpicked, because they were the best of the best of the best. They are the best. They are the cream of the crop. And the king said, well, man, if I take these kids who are pretty good at science, they know how to do math, and they can learn anything they can, imagine if I utilize them for my army. So the king appointed to them a daily portion of meat. He said, you are going to eat this, you are going to drink this, and you are going to be the best of the best of the best of the best. For three years he said that, but, and now, but among that group of people, this wasn't just you know, children of Israel, this was a bunch of other people too, because Babylon wasn't just attacking Israel, they were a world power basically at the time. They could take from anywhere and everywhere. They were at a, at a lot of, a, a lot of hand, what's it, hand in a lot of pots or something? I don't know, I'm trying to use an analogy, not working, we're just going to dump it out, start again. So among these children of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and those are Jewish names, though those are uh, not your Babylonian government names that we hear often. We hear Daniel all the time because he has a book written after him. If, if Ananiah wrote, a, wrote in a book in the Bible, we'd probably call him Ananiah. But instead, we uh, call him Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel's name was uh, Balteshazzar. And all these names are derived from worship of other gods or worship of other kings. Kings like, uh, gods like Nebo and um, and, and Shadrach, I, th I think uh, Shazar, I don't know. There's a bunch of, we don't need to know about those gods, right? Because we serve one God and it's not any of them. 
but it was their gods and their culture and their identity was now tied to something that they just didn't fundamentally believe. That wasn't their how they were raised up, but now through their formative years of their life, they had to be raised like a Babylonian. But something stirred in Daniel. He had a different mindset about him. He had a different identity, and his identity was not just name deep. You can call him whatever he wanted, but he knew what he was about. And if I can instill anything into a young person, to a youth of this youth group, it is I want them to know what they're about. I don't care what this world calls them. You can call me Christian. You can call me a God pusher, a one God. I've, I'll take it all. That's all right, because I know where I stand in my beliefs. And that's what I want our young people to do. So he purposed in his heart. He purposed. He had an identity and a drive and a decision that I will not stand for whatever else is going on around here. I will purpose within my heart to not defile. That word defile literally means to pollute, to mix in, to not be pure anymore, to let in, to let down your guard a little bit. Just, hey, it's only a little bit of meat. That's not going to hurt me, right? That's, it's, only, it's only just a little drink. It's not going to hurt me. It's just a, I'm just spending a little time over here. It's not going to do anything to me. But he said, I'm not going to let anything pollute who I am and what my purpose is. God had brought Daniel into favor, but it only mentioned that he brought him into favor after he purposed in his heart. Amen. If you want to be in favor in place, if you, if you want a little standing in your situation, purpose yourself for the things of God. It's the best way to do it. It's the best way. He's, he sets up kings, he takes them down. The government's on his shoulders. Everything goes through God. Even in your worst situation, it's still going through God. So if you want a better standing in your situation, purpose yourself for God. So Daniel had the, the gall, the nerve to say re respectfully. He didn't like say, I'm oh, you didn't throw tables around. That's not going to get you very far. He respectfully said, I'm not going to eat that. Could you just give us pulse in water and we'll be better? He said, give me 10 days. Give me, my guy Ananiah, which you know as Shadrach, my guy Mishael, which is uh, Meshach, and my guy Azariah, Abednego, I don't know if like they're literally the names, that's just what we're going with, right? It doesn't say exactly this guy was this guy, it just says the three names and then lists the three other names. So are we in agreement that those are the names? Those are good? That's fine? All right. I just want to make sure. I, I didn't do too much study and I want to see what you guys thought. So, so we're good? Okay, thanks, Sam. So, <laughs> amen. So he said, my group of guys... We're just going to eat a bunch of leaves, beans, and then drink water and for 10 days, and we're going to look better than you guys. We're going to just be better than you guys. And, the, and this guy who's in charge of them is like, the king's not going to like that, because what if you guys are sickly? What if you guys look like me after I didn't work out? You know, what if you guys just look bad, right? He said, no, we're, we're going to be just fine. So God gave him favor. He dedicated himself to the purpose of what he wanted to do. And he took away the portion of meat and the wine and he gave him pulse. And these four children, God gave them skill in learning. If you want skill in learning, follow what you plan to do for God. If you feel like, man, I should just, maybe, maybe I should read the Bible once a day. Follow that. See where it takes you just for a week, just for 10 days. Give yourself 10 days and try something a little closer to, to living for God. Just a little up the ante on your, on your walk with God for 10 days. See what happens. I don't, I, I started, um, just a couple of years ago, I wasn't very consistent in my Bible reading. I just, just a couple chapters a day. It's grown so exponentially in my life. It's taken me to places I didn't know. It's given me such a bigger purpose just because I've put a little bit more time, just 10 days. 
But then that 10 day turned into an 11th and a 15th and a month and a year and two years, and it's going to grow and grow and grow, and God's going to put you in favor of wherever you need to go. Just pur- purpose yourself for the will of God. Huzzah. We got a huzzah. Praise God. So after these 10 days, they looked at these boys, and they're like, man, these guys are men now. Look at them. They are better than everyone. Their faces look better. It literally says their faces are more flushed, like they've been eating meat or something. But no, they just put all their trust in God. And they said, I'm not going to defile myself with the king's meat. The king's meat was probably not kosher. Probably wasn't following the law of God. Maybe sacrificed to idols. It wasn't part of their identity. And by eating it, they would, they would fundamentally just, you know, everything they learned, they'd have to throw out the window if they took all that. So they said, I'm going to follow God and what I know, and God's going to be there for me. God gave them learning and knowledge far better than everyone else. In all matters of wisdom and understanding, they found them ten times better. Imagine what ten days of following God will do. It'll make you ten times better than anyone else. Not that you're trying any competition of anyone, not like we're trying to best ourselves or be better fundamentally. But if you want to find yourself succeeding, give yourself to God. If you want to find yourself living with purpose, with identity, with an attitude that no weapon formed against me will prosper, I'm not saying you're going to find yourselves in the easiest situations all the time because we learn that they do not find themselves in easy situations. Some would say maybe even get harder to live up to their ideals, their beliefs. But Dan, it says Daniel continued even to the first year of King Cyrus. He continued. Daniel was set up and established all throughout his life because of his purpose in God. Because he's not willing, not being afraid to say, I have other beliefs and convictions that I just can't fundamentally do this. I wish I could tell you my personal Daniel story in high school. I wish I could. I was born and raised in church, grew up in church. But more often than not, my feet were in the right place, but my heart was somewhere else. I would go to, to conventions and conferences. I would even drum on church on Sundays. But on Monday, I was a little bit of a different kid. I didn't live out my beliefs as, as much as I wanted to, much more than uh, anything. I was ashamed of my gospel. I'd make excuses why I couldn't invite my friends to church because we lived in Spokane Valley. I went to school in Spokane Valley, and our church is all the way in Spokane. And that's a, there's a freeway. These kids can't drive yet. They're not going to want, it's a rough part of town, there's a, there's a bar across, I've made all these excuses in my mind, but really I was ashamed to talk about the gospel. Even if I knew about things like P7, I don't know if I would, I certainly wouldn't have the strength, the, the will, the, the, the purpose with myself to say, I'm going to start one. And I've regretted that, it's one of, it's my biggest regret, that I, I had such an understanding, such a blessed life where I was in church every Sunday, and I had, even if I didn't want to be in church, I was in church every Sunday, you understand, that's, that's, what, being a, that's what being a PK is, any other PK, you, you know what I'm talking about, you're just gonna be there, you're just gonna be there, and I, it feels like I spat on that, but it's okay, it's okay, the story's not over, <laughs> right, after I left high school, I, I had kind of a wake-up call um, at the end of high school, and it just really changed my perspective, and I, and I just really knew I needed to change my life. I didn't make any big steps, but I just knew I needed to be more of the person on Sunday every day of the week than just the one on Monday. You can't be a Sunday Christian. and get you, It's not going to get you very far. It didn't get me anywhere. But even though I still, God still set up blessings in my life, he allowed me to go places I need to be. He allowed me to do the things I need to do to get closer to him. 
without me even knowing, without me even asking. He's just set up doors, and they open for me, and I'm so thankful because it's brought me where I am today. But when I got to college, I said, I'm not going to be that same kid anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study. <laughs> Who studies in high school? No, I did, I did fine in high school that way, but I'm going to focus on God. When you're uh, young people, when you move out on your own and you are your own man, you got to make a choice right there. Who are you going to be? Daniel and, and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, they were probably without their parents. They were in a strange land, unlike anything they've ever lived in before, and they had to make a decision right there. Am I going to be like everyone else around me? Am I going to be in the flow of the world, or am I going to take a stand that, yea, though I'm not of in this world, I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. Just because I live here doesn't mean I'm from here and doesn't mean I'm going to stay here. I always think back to, to, well, not back, I guess in Hebrews. It is back. It was written a while ago, right? So I think back in Hebrews when the writer is talking about Abraham, where he was searching for a country, or he's searching for a city whose builder and maker was God, where he was living in a land. He was just journeying through, passing through, not settling until he got to his promised land. And when you move out on your own, and we live on your own, and when you make decisions for yourself, you have to understand that this world is not my home. I am not like everyone else around you. In fact, I don't want them to be like everyone else around you. I want to make influential decisions into their lives to let them understand that there is greater purpose in their life than just following what the world follows, just eating what the king is feeding them, just, just drinking the wine that the king's providing from, just doing the same thing everyone else is doing. I have to purpose within myself that I am going to be different. And I haven't followed at 100% all the time. I have good days, bad days. But just those simple decisions, I'm not to brag on myself, not to, to hoist myself over anyone else. I, the first day I was here, moved in on Wednesday, had Wednesday night church. I showed up because I needed to be somewhere. I needed to be stable, needed to have a church around me. And I'm so thankful church welcomed me right in. They didn't say, get out of here. It's just us. You're not on the list. No, this church is a great church for everyone. And I experienced that firsthand in it's given me such greater purpose. Being involved in something will give you a purpose. It really will. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful I was playing the drums for my parents' church because I, it gave me a tether to want to come to church. I felt needed, even though the church, the work will go on without me. <laughs> we don't need drums to praise God, amen. But it gave me a connection at my parents' church in high school when I wasn't serving God, really. I would show up on Sunday, and I would, I'd be involved, and I'm so grateful because it made me want to go to the house of God, even if I didn't want to do everything God said, right? I'm not saying that we need to throw anyone on the stage for all times. Listen to me. Hear me out. I'm just saying that I want, I want you guys to know that you are needed, and there is a call for you here, that you can do things that no one else can do, and we need you here, and we need you to tap into your purpose. Everyone, not just the young people, every person has a call, a desire, a destiny on their life to fulfill through the will of God. The work will continue on without you, but how much better could the work be when we have all hands on deck? Nehemiah building the wall, he said everyone's going to get a sword in one hand and a tool in the other. You're going to build your wall together. And when we're all together in unity, in one mind, one accord, what can happen, church? What can happen, young person? What can happen, anyone? That's what happens when you find a purpose in God. And 
I found purpose. I found an identity, and I grew in God, and I grew in grace, and I'm still growing every day. But through every trial and circumstance, if I know I can focus on God and follow the will of God and not give up on the things I've committed to him, I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to be moved. I'm going to be used in different ways, more ways than I could ever think of or any do on my own. I couldn't put myself in places where God's put me. I, I have a great job that I've been put in, and I've been moving up, and people are fighting for me to move into other positions. I'm not even asking for them. Someone came up to me and said, hey, you're in, you're in business school. Do you want to come to the accounting department? I said, yeah, sure. And not that I don't like the shipping department. I love them, but it's moving me in the right direction for maybe a career or future, whatever God has for me. It's just the goodness of God that he's put me in that position. I'm so thankful. We all have stories in there. Time would fail me to tell of the tales of how my parents, my dad lost his job when I was in the third grade, right when he took over the church, right when he was finishing his, ma- his business degree online. But God needed him to not have a job so he can move the church. And we never missed a meal. We never missed anything. Every week my parents would get up and testify of the goodness of God. God will put you in the right position if you purpose yourself after him. He will set you up in the way where you will, you'll never fall. You'll never stu- you may stumble, right? You may fall. I lied. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to lie, Brother Jeff. But rejoice not against me, O my enemy. Yea, though I fall, I will arise. I'll get back up. When you have a purpose for God, when you say, I'm not going to stay in my situation, even if I mess up once, I'm going to get back up again. When I'm in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Amen. And that story of Daniel doesn't end. He continued on. And we, we know the story of the fire furnace. I'm going to tell the fire furnace story because I love that story. One of our first uh, children's church lessons that we did, we talked about the fiery furnace. And I said, every time I say fiery furnace, the kids are supposed to say, ha, ha. Hey, Cooper remembered. Hey. That's right. I love that story. I think everyone does. For a story about a furnace so hot, doesn't it just give you the chills a little bit? Oh, my goodness. I, let's, let's talk about it, huh? Who's ready? Who's, who's, who's willing to dive in with me on this um, Adventure and Odyssey, if you will, you know, anyone remember that? Yeah, amen. I'm not going to be as fun, I promise, and maybe no songs. Well, probably, definitely no songs. Just the Word of God. That's all we need. Praise God. So, in this strange land where these young men are purposing themselves, they've grown up a little bit, they're involved in, good job, they're involved in the work of God. They're involved everywhere, you know, they're not the work of God. They're, they're, they're placed in positions higher positions than anyone else because of what they've determined in themselves to do. They became the best of the best, but even when you're the best of the best, you still, people still want you to follow all the rules of the land. It doesn't matter how far you go, the world will always try to get you to bow to them. Jesus himself, uh, the devil said to Jesus, if you just bow to me, I'll give you everything. <laughs> you're, telling, you're doing that to Jesus? Doesn't he know who Jesus is? It did take him 40 days of a fast. I can't go four minutes of a fast without me like, man, I, if I could make this stone into bread, oh, just an olive, olive garden breadstick right there. No, no, he has a, Jesus had a little bit more resolve than I did, praise God. It took him 40 days, and the devil comes up to him and said, if you just bow to me, everyone wants you to bow to them. This world wants you to bow, wants you to fall down. But that's like the fundamental rule of following God, that there's no other gods before me. I'm not going to bow to, there's no idols out there. God is the only God I serve. So Nebuchadnezzar, this guy, King Nebi, let's call him that because I don't want to say Nebuchadnezzar all the time. King Neb, if we want to be respectful, he created this 90-foot-tall monstrosity of a golden idol. That's a lot of gold. I didn't do the math, but it's a lot, like, of the amount, the, the price of gold. Brother Mark, what's the price of gold right now? Per ounce, right? 
per ounce. And it takes a lot of ounces to make a 90-foot-tall statue. I don't know if it was gold plated or made out of solid gold. They had the money. They could have done it. But it was gold, right? It was made out of gold? Okay, good. Yeah, I, just, I, was just, I thought I just made something up for a second. I lost it. See, Adventures in Odyssey wouldn't do that. They'd get it right immediately, not ask questions, keep it moving. But they made, uh, King Neb made a statue. He said, at this time when the music plays and it's going to be a good song, everyone, all, this is interesting, it says all nations, peoples, and tongues, which is a very familiar portion of scripture that we talk about in heaven all the time, right? Everybody, he wants everyone about. The world wants to do everything that God can do. It just, it can't. It can try and it'll leave you a mess. It'll leave you nowhere. It'll leave you going to hell in a handbasket, if, if I may say so. Sorry, it's in the Bible, not the handbasket part. But when the music played, you were supposed to bow down. When the music played, you're supposed to stop everything you're doing, drop it all, and just bow down. And so the music played. It's in the Bible. It's music spelled with a K. I love that. And when say, the harp and the, and the flute and the sackbut and the psaltery and everyone was supposed to bow down. And who was not going to fall down was going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. Not a fun place to be. And this is where high school Colton be like, I could just like do a little, like a, like a Tebow maybe or, or something, just, just a quick one. Maybe, maybe God won't notice it. That's what I would probably be going, how do I not stand out? That's the whole purpose of being ashamed is you don't want to stand out. When you're ashamed of something, you try to blend in. You're like, I just hope they don't see me. But when you're not ashamed of the gospel, you don't care who sees you because it's not about them. It's not about the people around you. It's about God. It's about God seeing you. It's about God looking at you. And so the music plays. It's a good song. I don't know. I don't know what the song sounds like. It doesn't tell us. But everyone bows down except for three giant sticks in the mud. Just doot, 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 dotted all around. You can see them all around the area because they're the only ones not bowing. Very clear to see these three boys. But they probably young men at this time. For context, when they were taken, many scholars believe when they were taken to the King's program, they were probably anywhere from 13 to 17, ripe age for our youth group. I'd love to have. I know uh, we have a couple. We have a couple Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's in our youth group. You know, they're incredible. We got Brother Easton inviting kids to church, Devin praying at the altar all the time. I'm proud of all of them. I could list on the accomplishments. I don't have time to list out the accomplishments. So they would fit right into our youth group, those 13 to 17-year-olds who didn't bow. But, so, uh, the, the, the officials of the time said, hey, you three, not bound, I know your names, because you're very important. You're prominent. You're put in a place where everyone sees you. If you have a bunch of friends at school, it's for a reason. It, one, because you're very magnanimous, Devin. Everyone loves you, Devin. Danica was just telling me, I don't know where Danica went, but she was just telling me that she likes to own the stores with you because everyone knows who you are. You're put in a position for a reason. People know who you are for a reason. There's a reason you get along with people the way you do, because God's trying to use you. So everyone knew who these guys were, and they said, King wants to talk to you. He's not happy. King wasn't happy. And he said, and the king is like, guys, maybe you just didn't hear it. He literally is like, maybe do you want to try again? Maybe you just didn't understand the rules or something of the game we're playing today. But they said, oh, king, we're not going to bow. The king was upset. He said, I mean, I was, what? He said, and the king said, well, I'm just doing a lot. He said, he said right now. It's in the Bible. You can read up on yourself for all the details that I miss. Well, he said, the king is like, well, 
who's going to take you out of my hands? I have you now. Ha, ha, ha. You're going to go in the furnace because you don't, be- you don't behave. And they said, oh, king, we're not going to bow because we know God can take us out of this furnace, and we know God will take us out of the furnace. And even if God doesn't take us out of the furnace, we're not going to bow anyways because it's not what it's about. It's not about my life. It's about the will of God. It's not about what I do. It's about the will of God. It's not about what people are doing or the harm I'm going to have, and that's a very tough thing to do. I haven't had to go through a fiery furnace itself, turned up seven times hotter, where the very men throwing you in die because of the heat. They were bound. They were carried. They were thrown in, but when they fell down bound, they stood up loosed. Though they were in the furnace, they didn't feel the flame at all. Though they were walking around on hot coals, they might have been cozy. I don't know. I wasn't there with them, but I know who was there with them. I, it was, it was, it was a, an image, a man like the Son of God, as the king says. We don't, they didn't have the writings of First Peter 4 where it says, don't be, you know, don't think this fiery trial is strange, the one that's coming at you. It's just what happens. But I had to feel like they had Psalms 23 probably. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And when they got to the point where it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death where a man just died, I will fear no evil. And they turn around, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Yea, I know for a fact that they had a word of God in their heart ready for them. Because that's what's going to keep you. The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's going to take me everywhere I need to go. As long as I put myself, as long as I purpose that in my heart, he's going to take me wherever I need to go. And they got out, and they literally changed their world. Because when they stepped out, the king says, I know that your God is the real God. He had to do this a couple times. King Neb was kind of a little bit full of himself. But he had to go through it a couple times. And literally, it says, verse 28, Then Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said, Blessed be God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered the servants that trusted him. Remember Romans 1 and 17, the righteousness of, of God is revealed faith to faith. When you stand up and say, I'm not ashamed of what my God asked me to do, I will just do it, the righteousness of God will be revealed. Because that's faith. That's real faith to say, I know the consequence out here, but I know my reward up there, right? That's, that's a lot of faith to say because we don't see the reward all the time. We don't see our destination point when we're going through trials because what we don't, what we see is, is temporal. What we see, Paul says, what we see is just temporary, everything around. But we don't see, that's eternal. So it's hard to see our eternal, our eternity, and we're focused everything around us. And we're very, you know, we have five senses for a reason. God wanted us to see everything and experience everything that we could. He gave us that for a reason. I know he did. But we can get so easily overwhelmed with all these, all these, these fears, these senses, these, these pains, these hurts. It takes a lot of faith to say, I'm not going to worry about that. God can, and I know he will, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to, I'm not going to change my answer. I'm not going to change my mind. So they literally changed the world because they trusted in God and yielded their bodies. That's an interesting thing. Yielding your body, yielding your very life, putting your very life, your looks, everything about you in the hands of God, basically, not just the hands of the king. They weren't in the hands of the king at all. If they're in the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar, they would have died. That was his plan. That was his purpose. But that entire time, they were being led by God. They're being led to the fiery furnace. They're being led through the fiery furnace. They're being led out of the fiery furnace by God. They trust in God from faith to faith, from moment of faith to next moment of faith. So they 
trusted in him, they changed the king's words, and they yielded their bodies that they might serve nor worship any god except their own. You have to purpose yourself. If you want to find yourself changing the world, but you don't know how to do it, purpose yourself in God. There's no more world-changing power. There's no greater cause to take up than the cause of God. There's no better mindset than the mind of Christ. And Peter says in 1 Peter 4.1 that you got to put on the mind of Christ. I think I have that scripture up there. The mind of Christ. That's, that's crazy to me. For as much them as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves. It's not just a mindset. It's a weapon, too. It's a defense that you have. When you put on the mind of Christ, for he has suffered in the flesh, have ceased from sin. Sin is our greatest adversary out there. It's the thing that can keep us back from living a life full of God. It's the thing that separates us from, from God. But when we say, I'm not going li- to even live in the mentality anymore of, of, of no purpose, of lack of purpose, but I'm going to put on the mind of Christ. I'm going to put on a whole nother set of eyes right now, a whole nother brain right now, and just say, I'm going to go through it because Christ went through it. And, and if he's, he suffered all things. He went through all things like we did. He didn't fall once. So if I have the power of God with me, who can be against me? I'm not gonna, I may stumble. I may fall. But I'm not going to be lost forever. The mind of Christ is a powerful tool to purpose yourself. And Peter, he has a little bit of experience when he says in 1 Peter 4.12, which I think I have that one too. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. He was literally told, Jesus looked him in the face and said, uh, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. And then Jesus immediately said, but don't worry. I said, no, it didn't happen. He said, I prayed that your faith would fail not. A little extra step there. You think, well, God, if you're, if you're for me, why don't you just tell the, tell the devil no? No, he says, I prayed that your faith fail not. Your faith is going to get you through every trial, every test, even math, math tests maybe. I pray every time I take a test that God let the Holy Spirit bring things to my remembrance. That's what, that's what Jesus says the Holy Spirit will do. I know it's concerning the word of God, but I feel like I can use it in other areas of my life too. Right? Right? Why not? What's, what's the harm of praying before a test? Because, you know, what happens after the test? And you're just like, hey, how did that test go? Oh, it went okay. Oh, man, how are you so calm about that? That was rough. Well, let me tell you about the joy that I have inside me. Let me tell you, let me give you a reason, a defense of, of why I'm so happy about what just happened. Because I've got God by my side. Peter fell. He, he denied God three times, but then he was able to get back up. He's able to talk to Jesus again and say, I'm going to feed your sheep, God. And he gave the best message ever. Brother Jeff's and brother uh, and pastors are really close. Close seconds, but... Day of Pentecost is pretty good. I mean, we got to admit, right? But once Peter took the stand, he was standing for God for the rest of his life. Even so much where he said, I, I will die for this message. Before he would deny just being associated, now he ends up dying for the message that he believed. He was unstoppable. Romans 12, 1 and 2, as we stand, we can, I'm coming to a close. It's almost 8. I'm not going to keep you too long. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Remember, yielding. They yielded their bodies. It's important that you got We have to understand that my life is not my own. I am built to be a temple of the Holy Ghost, but if I spend so much time not doing that, 
That's not yielding my body. But present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, for it is your reasonable service. It's reasonable. It's like, hey, I'm not asking you too much to do this. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful we have such great representations in this church, this wonderful body of people who are yielding their bodies a living, who are yielding their entire lives a living sacrifice. It's incredible because you see the blessings that pour out of it, even through the trial, even through the test. You see the blessings in verse 2 of 12. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I remember the youth, uh, the Way Camp's uh, Waycon uh, slogan a, a couple of years ago, maybe 10 years ago, was uh, be transformed. It was in the Transformers font, font you know, like from the movies. That's weird to, to say over a pulpit, but I'm going to do it. Uh, and that's it's always what goes to my mind. Because when you're conformed to something, it's like a carbon copy. It's a mold. You're two, boom, 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 in and out. You end up the same. Used for the same purpose. Used for the same plan. If you're in a, in a company, that manufacturing company, to conform something to a mold is really great because it means it's going to do the same thing every time. It's not going to give you any problems. That's, the world, what's, that's what the world wants to do to us. Wants to come out the same every time, every time. Even though they preach a message of be different, experience your, you know, you're your own person. They end up being the same. They end up the same problems. Issues that we could, we deal with, but they have to live through depression and anxiety and, and fear constantly and don't know if they have a future or not. That's why YOLO becomes so popular because, you know, we can do whatever we want. We're going to die anyways. They don't understand that they can be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. If you have problem transforming your mind have you tried yielding your body have you tried yielding your time to god if you have a problem getting out of a mindset have you tried just putting a little bit extra in the, in god's pile over there just saying i'm gonna just tr i'm just gonna put one more thing i'm gonna give you one more thing god and we'll see what happens now and your mind's gonna be your world's gonna be blown away the bible says try the lord see what he won't do when you just give a little bit more to him i'm not just talking finances or time i'm talking everything give parts of your life to him one time i said i can't be on instagram anymore so I took it off my phone and I put the Bible app on there instead because I got so used to putting, clicking, throwing through and hitting that Instagram button. But I changed it. I put the Bible there and then I was like, well, I'm on the Bible app. I've got to read it, <laughs> you know. It, it worked. It worked. It, it got me just a little bit closer, a little bit closer. But let's take a stand. I know we're already taking stands, good stands. We have, we have great ministries. We have great lives that we're living. But if we want to see this world turn upside down, we gotta, we got to stand up in front of it. we got to face it head on. Purpose yourself. Put on the mind of Christ. And even when you've fallen bound to those fiery furnaces, you're going to get up free. You get up free and there's going to be someone else or someone in there with you. They're not going to, they're like, how'd you get out of that? <laughs> but God, you know, nothing else. So I have one question. Do you want to change your world around you? You're already a changing force. We are the light of this world. We need to turn on a light. It changes the environment around you. It adds a little bit more features and characters. You can see where you're going now. We are that light. So let's stand up for that light in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word, the power, Lord God. I ask that we are not ashamed of the gospel that we, are, that we have in our hearts, but we raise it up like a banner, like a standard. When the enemy comes.